I think about the levels of, you know, individual first, it really does become um, figuring out your hierarchy of needs and it ends up coming down to, okay, well, where am I going to sit? What about my family? I mean, when I worked from home, both when I was at Adobe and now obviously at DWG, I am completely work from home. My kids were in school. My husband was at his office. I had my own space. It was quiet. I had uh, all of the equipment that I needed. Um, but now we're all here. So it, 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 there's a lot of things you have to take into account um, that in sort of the old world were not even a factor. Like they sound very common sense, but they're easy to forget in times of stress. So making sure everything that you do as an organization, as a manager, as a coworker is underpinned by elements like empathy, adaptability, the idea of connection, the idea of trust, the idea of being able to listen. I think it's really essential to make sure that whatever you're doing as your people are starting to work remotely is driven by this idea of human-centered remote working. But I kind of feel, you know, I'm, I'm kind of optimistic. I kind of feel because we're so, you know, we're not very far into this crisis. I do wonder in, you know, even three to four weeks time, we'll have, I think a lot of organizations hopefully will have found their 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 beat and their rhythm and things will start to become more kind of natural in the way things are doing you know human beings are very adaptive and organizations can be very adaptive too hi i'm paul miller and this is digital workplace impact where we investigate and explore the ideas practices and people that are impacting the new digital worlds where we all work Digital Workplace Impact is produced by the Digital Workplace Group, a strategic partner and boutique consultancy covering all aspects of the evolving digital workplace industry through membership, benchmarking and boutique consulting services. And if you'd like more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com. So today's conversation with three of my DWG colleagues really sort of takes stock of where we are right now and i'll tell you when we were recording this which was um march the 18th um i mentioned that because things are changing so fast um that it's relevant right now and i think it's a real insight into what's happening inside the organizations that we're talking to some of the practices that that you can have to deal with the uh, covid19 virus impact in work and inevitably i think we we kind of get you can't really talk about work as work anymore because it's blurred so much into our lives because so many people are, are working in some level of imposed or uh, enforced isolation um, and just to mention that digital workplace group has launched a service specifically aimed at the COVID-19. It's a 12-week support program, if you like, designed to bring insight from DWG um, to organizations. So you get one-to-one -one coaching sessions from DWG experts on your own remote working uh, challenges. So it's really designed to support individuals and teams being responsible for the rollout of that. And then there are sh shared sessions with other organizations who are going through the same um, experience, pain, and then we're assembling resources around that. And you can find that on the DWG 
website, which is digitalworkplacegroup.com forward slash category category forward slash remote hyphen working hyphen during hyphen covid hyphen 19 god that's a long url but it is what it is we had to get the page up very quickly um anyway um now for insights on um yet more covid 19 material i'm delighted to be joined by three dwg colleagues today to talk about I suppose we're going to talk about really how remote working and it's not really remote working, actually, it's home working and it's it's sort of enforced home working and it's enforced home working under conditions of, to put it mildly, a lot of stress. Um, how's that happening? And, and also, how do you stay kind of approaching this in the right way? How do you stay as calm as you can and as methodical as you can as you're trying to navigate this particularly for large organizations so i'm joined by steve bingle steve is the research and knowledge lead for digital workplace group shimrit james who's our director of knowledge at dwg and andrea brandt who's an account manager at dwg and until quite recently was group manager of digital communications channels at adobe so Shim, Reet, can I start off by asking you, um, so COVID-19 has prompted the largest rise in remote working in global corporate history. Um, does DWG have a suggested approach to how organisations should address this? Hi, Paul, and thanks for having me and us as well. Um, and I think we do. I think one of the things that we've been talking about is there's a difference between what's being called suddenly remote on um, on Twitter within the community and people who are used to working remotely or being or rolling this out in a very considered way because they have all the time in the world to think about the programme. And there's a huge difference between those two areas. So I think, well, we could talk about things like strategy, governance, good change management, all of those things are being accelerated. And there are things you need to be thinking about in the here and the now um, just to get things started and rolling. So I think there are two ways that you can be going about this that needs to happen in parallel. One is having a set of principles that can help guide the work that you're doing and underpin everything. And the second is having a useful framework that just helps you focus your efforts. So in terms of the principles, um, we think things like they sound very common sense, but they're easy to forget in times of stress. So making sure everything that you do as an organization, as a manager, as a co-worker is underpinned by elements like empathy, adaptability, the idea of connection, the idea of trust, the idea of being able to listen. I think it's really essential to make sure that whatever you're doing as your people are starting to work remotely is driven by this idea of human-centered remote working. So those elements are crucial in everything that you're doing. And I think what you can then do, switch this in a, in a three-pronged way. So to think about the individual, so your audience of home workers, and for them, really focusing on helping them with areas such as well-being, how they can maintain their focus, how they connect with people if they're feeling isolated. You've then got the team level. So how can teams and managers really work out how they're working together remotely using good collaboration 
um, methodologies, for example, how they can ensure that they're still performing together as a team and how they support each other as well. I think it's essential to have that social glue so that you're not just working together, but you're playing together as well using some of the digital tools available. And then at an organizational level, how is leadership really maintaining its presence digitally? How is it communicating? How are the shared services being made available? And really, how is the workforce being empowered by having digital skills, for example, um, and having that shared culture still being nurtured using the tools available? So I think thinking about things in those three levels can really help try and organize some of what can feel quite chaotic as your organization is going remote. Hmm. And um, I mean, Andrea, does that approach sound sensible if you were um, hearing about that, um, you know, uh, in an an Adobe setting, would it have made, would it it, it have helped? I think so. Uh, Thanks, Paul, for having me on as well. Um, You know, it's interesting because having worked for a technology firm for almost 20 years and having been in high tech for more than 20 years, um, you know, it's like Shim said, you sort of take remote working um, for granted a bit in the sense that you, we always had a flexible work environment where if you had a sick child that you needed to be at home with, typically you had the capability of working from home. All of the tools were in place. Um, You know, everyone had their own laptop. There's VPN. You have your account to use for video conferencing. You can instant message. It's, everyone was essentially set up, but it was for those one-off times, those occasional opportunities. Um, No one was set up for 20,000 people to have to work from home all at once. Um, I think from a corporation side and from a, an employee side, um, if I think about the levels of you know, individual first, it really does become um, figuring out your hierarchy of needs and it ends up coming down to, okay, well, where am I going to sit What about my family? I mean, when I worked from home, both when I was at Adobe and now obviously at DWG, I am completely work from home. My kids were in school. My husband was at his office. I had my own space. It was quiet. I had uh, all of the equipment that I needed. Um, But now we're all here. So (laughs) there's a lot of things you have to take into account um, that, in sort of the old world, we're not even a factor. Mm. Yes. And um, it's interesting. I mean, as well, interesting. It's, it's, it's challenging because I've been talking to different organizations about how they're, how they're, de- how they're uh, dealing with this. And it seems like I'd probably say the actual remote working, working from home, if you're in a role that can, be done in that way and obviously you know if you're in a retail physical retail role you can't do it that way but for those organizations who do it in that way that side of things is sort of working reasonably well and we'll come on to what some of the kind of practices are that work but it's it's the sort of 
external factors, the fact that you've got, as you say, you've got your partner there, you've got your, 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 you've got your kids. Some people, are, you know, we've had situations, um, particularly in the forest, there's, there's like elderly parents there, the apartment's really small, you know, um, you know, you might be living in a shared house, everybody's trying to do things. I mean, I mean, Steve, from, from what you hear from, from organisations, um, how do you feel like they're handling this, this challenge? Uh, well, yeah. Thanks. Thanks also. Thanks, Paul, for uh, inviting me on too. Um, so I think organisations are doing their best. So I, I agree with you. From what I've heard, you know, for remote working where um, that's part already part of the culture, you know, um, they're finding it a lot easier to to deal with. Although obviously there's some challenges around the scale and maybe some of the some of the tools and and organisations are you know or IT functions are trying to. Um, you know, solve some of those kind of practical and technical, technical kind of issues. I think where they're perhaps having, you know, the most challenges is really around, you know, supporting supporting people, as you say, who are sometimes in in difficult situations, um, in stressful situations, um, and and I think to be honest, that you know, because we are in such unique territory, I think there's going to be a, the organisations are, you know. They're trying their best, but there's going to be a few, um, you know, bumps along the road, I guess. So, I mean, I know we, we I heard from one member who, you know, they've had to sort of revise their policies sort of on the go because they had some sort of practical issues. Um, you know, different uh, territories are, uh, and different countries are experiencing kind of different, uh, different stages of the... Um, different stages of the outbreak so for obviously people in in china may have already been experiencing you know some of these issues working from home um you know a few a few weeks back so it's a it's a i think it's a, a organizations are trying to be really very adaptive they're doing their best they're keeping kind of people informed and i think what I what I tend to find is that a lot of the um, the sort of daily problems are you know are kind of happening I think at the team level as well. So some of the kind of team dynamics people are are you know having to sort out um, some of their own logistical problems. So you know managers are having um, you know a lot of responsibility to try and make things work and and also be you know deal with employees who who kind of may be stressed as well as you know trying to get the kind of processes and output as normal as as normal as as, as possible um but i kind of feel you know I'm, I'm kind of optimistic i kind of feel because we're so you know we're not very far into this crisis i do wonder in you know even three to four weeks time we'll have i think a lot of organizations hopefully will have found their they're they're beating their rhythm and things will start to become more kind of natural in the way things are doing you know human beings are very adaptive and organizations can be very adaptive too yeah and i i've certainly seen um a level of what i would call forced adaptation by organizations and an ability to move um quickly and to take decisions in a way I don't think I've ever, well, I've never seen before. I mean, in a way, the bureaucracy 
of large organisations has come up with has come up against the urgency of the moment, and I think we're seeing this um, far kind of more decisive and bolder approach. It's like that's not happening. We're all going home. In fact, one of the things that I think's happening um, generally, you, you, it's easy to kind of blur the things that are happening on a work level with the things happening outside because it's all getting sort of washed together. The word that kind of comes to me is a lots of sacrifices being made. Um, you know, uh, and and um, that's not quite. We're not sort of used to that. I mean, any any insights, Andrea, from an Adobe or or sort of. I know you live in Silicon Valley and um, uh, other organisations in in the technology community. Yes, I think you know, being in Silicon Valley, we're not only the hotbed of technology, but right now. Santa Clara County is where a large portion of Silicon Valley is geographically, and that has the highest number of cases in California. And so the six Bay Area counties went on shelter in place as of 12.01 a.m. yesterday. And so it's unprecedented um, to have such a large geographical area have to be basically in your home, you really are only allowed to leave for essential work or to go get groceries, medicine. Um, and yes, you can go outside and walk around and get some exercise, but really everyone is homebound. And, um, you know, they're sort of aligning it to the Italy trajectory if they didn't do something dramatic. And so for people to have sort of started to get ready for this, um, the things started to happen toward the end of last week. But, you know, in the U.S., we have cities and counties and state and, you know, local, federal. So there's, there's all these layers. And um, then you add in corporations having to make decisions and they're trying to rely on what does their culture tell them? What are they hearing from their state and local leaders? And oh, by the way, just because you're based here, you most technology companies are having employees scattered all over the world. So, you know, I know lots of employers started closing offices in China and Asia first. And then really, I know of a lot of employers here based in the Bay Area, they recommended employees work from home if possible uh, as far back as about two, two and a half weeks ago. Um, and so the communication, I mean, obviously I'm not inside of a corporation, a large corporation anymore, so I'm not seeing all of those emails that are getting sent out. But I do see just from watching from the outside that increased sense of urgency and to your point, Paul, sort of removing the decision-making layers and making decisions quickly. And I feel most companies are leveraging their culture. Um, I've also been impressed with the number of communications I've received as a customer of companies, um, anywhere from my local coffee shop um, to Target to other retail establishments about what they're doing not only for me as a customer, but more importantly, what they're doing for their employees. 
um, because like you said, the retail folks, um, we have a lot of hourly workers that do not have uh, necessarily all the same types of benefits as the salaried employees here in the U.S. And the, the need to have children be at home now because schools are shut down, I think, pretty much statewide at this point in California. Um, you know, how do you, what do you do about your children when you are a retail worker and you need to go to work? And oh, by the way, I really want the people who can go to work in the retail establishments, grocery stores, the Targets, etc. and Amazon to be there because that's the only place I can get what I need to keep my family going. So it's this, this sort of balance and you really have appreciation and I've seen it. Um, we have an app here that a lot of people use called Nextdoor and it's you join based on your, your neighborhood where you live and a lot of people offering to help seniors because they've said for folks who are over age 60 or have immunocompromised situations to not even leave their house for the essential things. They really need to just stay put. And so people offering, you know, I'm going to the grocery store. Can I pick you something up and leave it on your front porch for you? Um, seeing a, a grace being extended to people that, um, you know, sometimes you forget about because we're we're disconnected. Sure. Even though we're all connected, we're we've been disconnected mm. from people, and yet now we're connecting again. But we can't get mm. closer than six feet away from them. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting the the, the physicality, you know, of work has been removed from us. And the digital connection of work, you know, I, I'm, I'm now thinking I, I, I wrote a book, I think it must be seven or eight years ago, called The Digital Workplace, How Technology is Liberating Work. Well, it really is liberating work because if it doesn't happen in the digital workplace, it's it's not it's not happening. And and Shim, on a, on a kind of cultural level, is this what's this sort of revealing about the culture of your organization? It's really interesting because a couple of years ago, um, I did some research for DWG specifically around um, organizational culture in the digital workplace. And one of the findings was that it can amplify a culture. Um, all the things that you see happening within your day to day, put that into digital and it can become amplified. So if you have a culture of control, for example, and hierarchy, that can manifest itself in the digital workplace. So if you're working remotely, if there's a lack of trust, if there's a need for things to be tightly controlled, that can potentially hinder the way that people can work from home because there's a feeling of micromanagement, for example. Whereas if you have a culture that is fully open, people can do whatever they want. Again, that manifests in the digital workplace and actually can be a bit of a hindrance if people are working from home and there does need to be a bit of guidance. So I think it's, as Andrea said, people are harnessing their cultures to be able to make this work for them. And I think having a really strong idea of who you are as an organization is going to help here um, to try and manifest that through the stories that you're telling, the way that you're communicating with people. When you're having your team calls and your online meetings, being able to, to have that shared understanding and shared story of who you are as a team will really help communication and, and the trust that really needs to be there if you can't see your co-workers if you're a manager and you can't see your team you need to be able to trust them 
to do what they do and to to reach out when they need help but also to be there as a support for them so I think this will really emphasize the cultures that people already have but also potentially present an opportunity to really move a culture forward in terms of empathy transparency the way that people can work together as well I think it's a chance for a stock take Mm. Um, and to really think about who you are as an organization and how you want to be working together as a community. Yeah, I mean, and I don't know what Pret-a-Manger, the, uh, my favorite sandwich chain, is, is doing within the organization, but I know they treat people really well. But I, I saw today that they're, they're giving NHS, the National Health Service workers, drinks for free and 50% off all food. And I thought, wow, that's... That's fantastic. And, and, and I've seen quite a lot of, I think there's a real, thinking about it, there's a real cultural opportunity. Because if I, I think one of the things that's coming out talking to different organizations is that, and we, we've already kind of referred to it, is if you're not empathetic, if you're not listening, if you're not taking account of the specific situation your people are in and stop, and, and you, if you're still wanting to some sort of, obsolete form of top-down control and you know we could call it subjugation um then you really start to look like a story that's kind of finished because you're you're denying the humanity of the people inside your organization and in a way um this virus is revealing the fact that yeah we're all human beings and it doesn't matter if you're the richest person in the world or the poorest person in the world this doesn't care. And it really doesn't care about your organization, the people outside your organization. It, it's just it's just moving. And, and, and I think that's a really kind of uh, I think it's it's almost in real time kind of cultural um, experience. I mean, Steve, uh, you know, and, and we've been involved in writing a research report, I know, on, on what the new style of remote working is. But th- this is far from new. And, and, and what can we learn from, I suppose, this kind of rapid rise in it? You know, what, what, what have we sort of learned? You know, in what ways is this not different that we can then learn from? I, I, I do think a lot of it, a lot of the things that are different is just is is the sheer speed. Obviously, this is this is we've all been sort of thrown into this completely unexpected, and I'm still amazed to think, you know, what what we were probably talking about two weeks ago. You know, this is it's 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 incredible, really. Um, and you know, in some of the research we've been looking at, um, it's been really interesting to see, look at organisations who have perhaps had um you know agile working or smart working or home working uh, embedded within their you know in in within their employment uh, value proposition and the way they work and the way they operate and and their then their ability easy ability to you know transition to a new 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 ways of working or working lots of home working very 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 kind of suddenly um so in a way you know what all, i guess organizations need to be thinking about is how they you know how they start to you know take a you know institutionalize this and take a kind of calm approach to it and and just make it the the way things are you know the way things work and happen you know we've already talked about some of the things like having having policies etc uh, et um 
But one of the, I think one of the really interesting things I was looking at was, was we did this when we did this report um, five years ago called um, Digital Workplace Fundamentals, and we looked at two of the two very um, early adopters of, of um, agile working, one uh, which is Unilever and one which is um, the United States Patent and Trademark Office (USPTO). It's then been interesting to to read, you know four or five years later how they've been able to switch very suddenly to um you know looking at kind of uh, coping with sort of natural natural disasters so for example i think in 2018 there was a lot of bad weather in the u.s and the u.s pto which has a really strong culture of of uh, they, they call it teleworking we might call it i guess distributed working they were actually able to you know 90% or something of the of the of the workforce was suddenly able to you know switch to home working on a bad um, on a bad uh, snowy day where where they were unable to get into the office and actually some of the some of the functions were able to produce um, had better output or in, or increased output than they would have on a, on a normal day which is incredible really thinking about you know the sort of um, efforts or results you can achieve when you actually have, um, you know, this embedded in your culture, I guess, and then your and your processes. And what's really, to me, what's really obvious is it's all, you know, this human-centered um, approach is just really important. You know, um, making sure that um, people are fully equipped. There's, you know, managers are trained how to um, have trust and 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 also, um, you know have the proper kind of outputs and and metrics for them to be able to properly um, judge performance management um, uh, you know having a, a having it as part of the the kind of um, re- recruitment program as well you know if you start recruiting people who want to work from home then it's you know it's all it it makes all these things so much easier so it's really around the kind of human-centered approach institutionalizing this and I think, obviously, a lot of organisations are going to be facing this in, in a in a uh, in a massive flurry of activity and a stress. It might even feel like a kind of stressful experiment. But as I said, I think um, even three, four months down the line, perhaps you know, perhaps when this is embedded, it will be really interesting to see what kind of happens um happens after this because i think we'll be in a it, 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 it's a game changer things are really gonna are really gonna change mm. and i'm thinking you know uh, andrea one of the things that strikes me is that you know if you're in any organization you know that everybody in the organization including the leadership is working exactly the same way i mean and i remember when dwg closed down its offices in london and new york and uh, there was a comment from somebody who was based in um, Arizona and she said that she felt like the organisation came closer together when we were all in the digital workplace. There was no office where she suspected sort of there was a bit more power and influence lay. It's almost like it was a democratising experience. Absolutely. I think that's one of the things is that, well, it's horrible and horrific that this is a global pandemic. It also gives us this sort of shared experience and empathy 
from a human side and but also from a working side because to your point Paul there is always this hierarchy of the people in even you know sort of the home office or corporate headquarters where there's this perception that things are different um, and or you know the the executives with their corner offices and yes now everyone is having to work the same way and potentially you know they're home with their kids too um, and to think about perhaps while they were remote workers in a sense that they were, um, you know, a, a lot of times traveling and doing things on their mobile phone, um, perhaps they weren't as set up to work from home using a laptop because probably a lot of them didn't do that before. So maybe there is an advantage to having been, you know, someone uh, who has done this before in a home office. Yeah, no, it's really interesting because I, I would say that I've noticed talking to people in different places, different organisations, different situations, there is something kind of, it's like everybody you talk to, you know they're at home. It's, it's completely and utterly bizarre. It's like, I, I know you're all at home. You know that I'm at home. Um, I know that the, the last people we're talking to at, at uh, Coca-Cola are all at home. And it's it's this strange kind of um, alternate thing, but it's actually quite, I guess, I guess this word democratising. And I, I remember when leadership were given iPads, you know, however many years ago, and all of a sudden they kind of realised that they could work in this way and they didn't need, didn't need or the kind of paper and so on, and and it was once leadership got it, it would it would change. So, so we don't know what's going to come next. But let's let's I call it the new normal. What what's what's what might let's what what do we each think that might look like? What are the lasting effects? And you talked about this as a watershed, Steve. I mean, I mean Shim, what's what's the kind of ongoing effect in a work setting of of what we're experiencing? Do you think? I think hopefully it would mean a greater sense of understanding and empathy for people's personal circumstances to enable a level of flexibility around the way that people work. So it may not mean that once this is hopefully over, whole workforces are going to be remote, everyone's going to be working from home because they prefer it. It could actually go the other way where it's a traumatizing experience for people but I think that level of understanding that people need to be more flexible around how they manage work and their work life and that actually the technology and tools that we have and the cultures that we have and the relationships that we have with our work colleagues can enable that. I think that will hopefully be something that we see become a lot more embedded in the way that organisations see how they work. Um, that's something I'd love to see and it's something we've spoken mm -hmm. about again and again about this is what millennials want the people the next generation coming through are going to want to work more fluidly some organizations have been a bit scared of it and won't allow it but i think this will hopefully show it's something that can be managed and can be done to allow that level of fluidity and flexibility around the way that people work mm. and and steve you, you know you talked about this as a as a as a watershed what what's what's the so what does that look like you know um 
just thinking of, about what you said, Paul, about, you know, where we're all working from home and in a way that's kind of, you know, in a, in a way we're all suddenly equal. Um, and I think that's a really interesting point in, in that's something that could play out in, 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 ha- in the impact on, on the way we work and the way we, and the organizational culture. Because when sometimes when you've introduced um, like social tools, for example, into um, particularly hierarchical or traditional organizations it can that can have a bit can actually have quite a dramatic impact uh, in terms of making a place feel less hierarchical and and moving towards a kind of more open culture and i think this is you know i think this is going to do do that I, I really do because all of a sudden you're working with your colleagues in a different way they're working from home they're stressed you know when and andrew's saying you know we have this shared this very real and scary shared human experience i think the impact of that is going to be you know very is profound and andrew it's interesting you were saying you know in in terms of uh you know people kind of communities building things on next door i mean like in my road uh, and one of our neighbors has gone around and created a whatsapp group for the whole for the whole um for our whole street you know that's the first thing that's kind of happened in our our street we're pretty friendly and but imagine that's if you can bring that kind of thing into organizations where there's kind of silos hierarchies office politics you know i'd like to i'd like to think that maybe we're, we're going to wave goodbye to some of that um some of the annoying things about work and you know maybe it's it'll just be more of a kind of natural human experience um and um, Andrea, what's what's your take on what the what I what I call the new normal, what what it might look like? Well, I think sort of this democratization within the organization. Hopefully, some of that remains. Um, I think the thing people will need to be mindful of, and all of us speaking now have had experience with this. Um, But as you do work from home and remote working, um, that line between your work and your personal life gets, can get very blurry. And so, you know, people have been sort of feet to the fire to figure out how to make that work. Um, But coming up with a schedule for yourself and so that you don't feel like this the scale is tipped one way or the other, and you will feel comfortable to be able to take advantage of hopefully what will be an opportunity to have more flexibility in your work life. I think the other thing that's going to be really interesting is the bit about in-person meetings and what constitutes essential, right? What, you know, at DWG, we very much appreciate the opportunity to bring our members together on a fairly regular basis, but not all the time. But there is a time to be face-to-face, ideally, and have those networking conversations. But maybe this situation brings an opportunity to for people to think twice before maybe making you know, a very long plane trip for a one-hour in-person meeting, um, which kind of happens a lot. And and what's the impact of that on the environment, um, your personal life, et cetera? Um, I mean, of course, you know, the airlines are suffering big 
wasting time. So I don't want to say, you know, nobody should travel. But I think thinking about the opportunities to be in person, I think the mind shift will probably have to happen. Yeah, I mean, and I I, I think that um, one of the things that I've hoped for um and we we even considered a, a sort of DWG led campaign at the end of last year was about reduce your air your your particularly air travel but just travel generally by 5% in organizations and increase your virtual meetings by 5% and we wondered whether you know the idea was that well if they do 5% this year and they do 5% the year afterwards it's only one in 20 meetings and over a period of you know a few years you could reduce it my my view is that the airline industry will never fully recover at all. Um, I think business travel is um, going to be diminished persistently um, because people have discovered that actually they get more time. I mean, probably getting people getting too much time with their families. I appreciate that now, but um, they, they, they're they're going to get more time, less stress by having to travel less. And whether they're going into their own local office or not, that I think that industry is it's not quite finished, but it's going to be so diminished. And so the economics around that industry are going to have to change um, completely. I think. Also, what we will see afterwards is probably, um, you remember how sort of terrorism brought in security and we started adjusting to different levels of security. I think we will probably, and if you said, Steve, we're adaptive creatures, human beings, we will adapt to different protocols. And I think I think physical meetings and particularly larger meetings will, will have a certain kind of care taken around them, which I think will will endure and i could imagine organizations and workplaces seeing that as a something that's important but will be much more carefully chosen and thought about um and and a whole bunch of people who never used to work remotely will say actually i can do that i mean i've got a couple of cousins who who work for for major law firms and they they i would sort of laugh at kind of places where I'd meet them and they'd say, just be assured, Paul, whatever happens, I will get to retirement with ever, ever having to work from home. And now I'm getting notes from them saying, guess what, We're working from home and it's actually not that bad. So um, I just wonder, and maybe on that, you know, um, just a question for, for each of you, what, what's, what's the opportunity? And maybe you've already answered it. What's, what's the opportunity in this crisis, Shim? <laughs> the opportunity um it's nice to think about a silver lining isn't it um i think there's a difference between immediate opportunity and, and kind of medium term and then long term i think maybe if we look at the short term opportunity just for individuals perhaps and for families is to to really understand each other um you know my partner is working from home for the first time today Oh, well, the first day, I should say, of now having to work from home and he's in my office space, in effect, because I work from home all the time. And I think it's uh, it's probably you should, enough. you should tell him to get out. That's not it's not acceptable that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's already yeah. discovering my terrible working from home habits. Um, <laughs> but I think for people who find themselves in that situation, which can actually be stressful because you're suddenly in each other's faces um, in a way that you aren't normally is that opportunity to really understand each other in a way that's new and different um, for children who are there with their 
parents potentially parents who are there with their children I think there's an opportunity to to make something of that that can maybe provide a little bit of light in something that's quite a difficult situation mm. yeah great thank you and um, Andrea what's 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 the opportunity that you see in the current situation taking off from what Shim was just saying I think from the short term um having my children at home, I've had the opportunity to learn about apps and online tools and technologies that I had never even heard of before. Um, and seeing how the classroom is becoming a digital workplace. And I mean, we're fortunate where we live that our school was set up to be able to do distance learning and our teachers are doing videos in the morning. It's almost, you know, sort of they're doing executive communications for their employees, their students, um, and providing them with a message every morning. And they're providing opportunities for them to get together online um, in a managed space, but that at least they can have that face-to-face -face time with both their teacher and the other peers which is a good thing for corporations to model as well. Um, I think in the long term, from an organizational standpoint, this could potentially really open up for the right companies. You know, sort of this virtual office gives you access to employees that you maybe would have never considered before. Um, so, you know, everyone doesn't have to physically come to the Silicon Valley or name your favorite large city where there's lots of traffic and expensive housing and, you know, density beyond capacity. Maybe you can live where you want to live and do the work that you want to do. Um, and even maybe some small businesses can take that opportunity as well. I know my, the place where I work out is owned by a local mom here and she's taken her fitness classes online um and and maybe that's a new model maybe you don't go to physically to the gym you can do it at home um but not with a canned already you know recorded video but you're you're doing it live and you still have that sense of community yeah and um that's um that's that's great um steve is there anything you wanted yeah i, I, I sort of agree with with Andrea and that I think this is going to or I hope the opportunity here in the kind of medium to long term is for employees to you know have more autonomy and have more choice in 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 where they work and I think that also in then implies in how they work as well so um, I think it's potentially exciting if you are um, uh, wanting to work for you know wanting to work for someone in Silicon Valley but you're or maybe you're stuck in stuck in a North London suburb like myself. You know, all of a sudden it, the the barriers to having to 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 move to San Francisco aren't there anymore. So I think it's I think it's really um, perhaps it's going to change the way we look at uh, um, you know employment and it, it'll influence recruitment. And it'll influence what companies are going to do to attract employees. And then you know we're when you as andrea said when you have this wider talent pool it supports a lot of those things like uh diversity and inclusion um a lot of things like sort of employee well-being 
um, and and the employee experience, all those things that are kind of at the moment companies want to do, but they don't quite succeed. You know, I think this is going to this is going to be a catalyst for some of the good um, good trends we've been seeing in organisations. But it's going to uh, perhaps some of these things is really going to speed up now and kind of happen. That's what I'd like to yeah, think anyway. Yeah, and 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 I suppose my kind of concluding comment would be that I think you know we're we're I don't know several weeks into it. Obviously, the Far East is is a couple of months into it, and. And, and I would say, I think we've seen the world of work perform pretty well, actually. And if you just said, how would you deal with this? I think we would have all probably concluded unbelievably badly. Um, but actually, the, the, the rapidity of it, the ability to adapt, the ability to make do. And I'm noticing just in, in, in businesses generally they're, they're, they seem to be treating it as, an, as a way of trying to get closer to their own customers and to their own employees and, and, and adapt and cut through all the bureaucracy and, and kind of layers that stifle things um, and actually get things done away from, from politics. So um, thank you so much, um, Steve. Shimrit and, and, and Andrea for, for being part of this conversation and no doubt it'll be it'll seem kind of like a bit of a history lesson in a few months time but right now it seems relevant and it is relevant and um, thank you all so much for your time thank you thank thanks you. Paul Digital Workplace Impact is produced by the Digital Workplace Group, a strategic partner and boutique consultancy supporting more than 100 leading businesses and public institutions to advance their intranets and broader digital workplaces through benchmarking, research and practitioner expertise. For more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com. And if you'd like to listen to previous episodes of the show, go to digitalworkplacegroup.com forward slash DWG underscore podcast. This is Paul Miller wishing you well until next time.